I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But I haven't always understood how to find the books that work for me. In the last few years, I've put focused time into my reading life to explore new-to-me genres and find the reading frameworks that work for me. I've gone from being completely lost in a sea of titles to homing in on the exact reads that will be amazing for me. In this season, I'll share my very first time keeping a reading journal, and I'll recommend the titles I discover and love along the way along with specific practical tips to help you find the books you need in your reading life. This is Season 3, Episode 5 of Reading Like an Adult, and in this episode I have some readerly confessions about my reading lists and goals for this year. Friends, fellow readers, we're almost halfway through the reading year and I have to tell you that my lists and goals for 2022 have been completely blown up. Goal 1. I started this year resolved to share an inspiration list of the books I am planning to try every month on the first in my newsletter, and that goal has completely gone by the wayside as my reading moods didn't cooperate with my planned out lists of books. Goal 2. I resolved to read only 50 books this year, thinking I would be oh so slow and thoughtful and careful, as I read new classics and followed my picky book lists and wrote detailed notes about all of it in my reading journal. But I'm back to my usual, devouring books and always, always checking out more from the library than I can read. Goal 3. In my reading journal, I have a list of the 12 key fiction reads that I thought I would work my way through this year. I was ambitious and varied with this list. It includes beloved titles by Stephen King, Toni Morrison, and Curtis Sittenfeld, as well as recent favorites I've been meaning to pick up. Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth and... The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. I haven't made it all the way through a single book on this relatively short list. I've picked up a couple of the titles, and neither of them was the book I needed to be reading at the time. I'm glad I moved on, because putting down books that aren't right for me has opened up my time for some amazing reads this year. But it's definitely a reminder that the way you picture your reading year and the way your reading year actually unfolds can be very, very different. Goal 4. Going into this year, I also plan to read based on theme, alternating each month between young adult fiction, middle grade fiction, and short stories, figuring that would mean I devoted four months of the year to each genre. While I haven't followed this goal to the letter, I think I've mostly lived up to the spirit of it. I haven't kept to my plan of taking it month by month, but I've succeeded in reading more young adult, working my way through Emma Lord's backlist reading Sophie Kinsella's young adult book, Finding Audrey, which we talked about in episode three of this season, and discovering a brand new read that I loved. More about that later in the episode. I've also finally cracked the code on discovering middle grade fiction that I enjoy. I had been trying to pick up shiny covers with big, flashy premises. An eccentric billionaire's game, a haunted house, a girl who's secretly a mermaid, and realized that those books might work for other readers, but they're not for me. What I need is a contemporary middle grade book that grounds me in a believable world and reminds me that sometimes children see the world more clearly than we do. The Science of Breakable Things by Tay Keller is one example, and one of my favorite reads of the year so far. The story of a seventh grader who wants to use the scientific method to get her mom out of deep depression The Science of Breakable Things is a delightful adventure that also explores some very difficult topics. For this episode's Year of Nonfiction segment, 
we're going to talk about one of my favorite creative topics, synchronicity. It's the idea that if you put yourself out there creatively, you'll find the right connections. I frequently notice this in my reading life. Maybe I'll experiment with a genre or author that's new to me, then notice once I get the book home that one of my other favorite authors has written a blurb on the back. Or I'll notice my need for a creative resource and find it the next day or the next week. Among my readerly confessions, I must tell you that I read my book for the month of reading about faith over Easter weekend, even though this nonfiction reading month was supposed to happen in May. My church had just completed a series on the book of Jonah, and I remember that I had a copy of The Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller on my physical Someday TBR shelf. I'd had this book for more than two years, and somehow, Easter weekend after the culmination of a great sermon series on this strange, fascinating book of the Bible, was the right time to pick it up. If you're not familiar, Dr. Tim Keller is a New York Times bestselling author who is often called the contemporary follow-up to the wonderful C.S. Lewis. I've read and loved many of his books, including The Reason for God and Generous Justice, but to be honest, it's been a long time since I've actively sought out books about faith and theology. The Prodigal Prophet was such a readable, accessible way to connect through my reading life to this important part of myself. One of my favorite takeaways from this great little book, which is a surprisingly fast, easy read for the vital material it covers, is the concept of common grace. As a Christian and a reader, I've struggled with the ways that writing from agnostic, atheist, and otherwise secular authors has saved me in dark moments. The Christian faith is beautiful but very hard, and while I've always come back to what I believe, I've struggled through times of depression where God felt absent for me. Looking back, I know he was there, but I didn't have the comfort that so many other Christians seem to experience. In those difficult moments when my Bible seemed useless and prayer only made me angrier, I turned to books. Thanks to Dr. Keller's explanation of common grace, which is the idea that God gives art and talent freely to all kinds of people, unbelievers and believers alike, I know that it wasn't wrong for me to find beauty and truth in the thoughtful writing about the human condition that I found in books. Non-Christians can have the common grace of insight and express what they see about the world in beautiful, moving writing that does reveal truth, even if they can't have the complete picture without faith. Today's reading resource fits our theme of flexibility. It's okay to break the book rules, especially when you're floundering or feeling stuck in your reading life. Sometimes you need to read the wrong way to keep reading. Are you intrigued by a series but unsure about committing to reading all three or five or more books? Just read the first one. It's fine. Would you like to dabble in short stories or poetry but know these genres can be hit or miss for you? Or maybe you're not even sure what you'll like? Pick up an option or two and let yourself start a short story or a poem and see if you find a connection. If you find yourself forcing to read a short story that still feels too long, it's okay to skip it and go to the next one. A reading regret that I look back on is when I forced myself to read an entire book of short stories by Neil Gaiman, not skipping a single one because I wanted to be able to include the whole book as read in my Goodreads challenge for the year. I regret it not because Gaiman isn't a brilliant writer, but because that specific book of stories had a lot of high fantasy, and fantasy is a genre I haven't been able to connect with for a long time. 
the stories I did connect with were grounded in contemporary settings before revealing one fantastical twist. I could have skipped some of the stories once I realized they were high fantasy and still enjoyed those that were better categorized as magical realism. One book rule you can break very carefully is skipping around in a series. Let me repeat that. Be super careful with breaking this one, especially if you're someone who enjoys the full context of a story. I did this with the Veronica Speedwell mystery series by Deanna Rayborn. I read the fourth book on impulse because my library had a copy on display and it looked enticing, and then I went back and read the first one to get the backstory. I got my fill of Victorian Lady Sleuth capers and haven't yet read the rest of the series, but I was able to recommend it to a friend who really enjoys turn-of-the-century mysteries and loves tearing through a series, and she read all of them. In this last segment, I'm sharing one of my favorite reads of 2022 so far. Great or Nothing is a young adult retelling of Little Women that's set during World War II. It's by four different authors, each writing as one of the sisters. The book opens after Beth's death and the attack on Pearl Harbor, with Meg, Joe, and Amy trying to put themselves back together after losing a sister and struggling to find their place in a war-torn world, while Beth's narrative from a distance is told in verse. Honestly, it doesn't sound like it should work, but somehow it all comes together in the best way. Great or Nothing is lovingly faithful to Alcott's original characters while offering completely new storylines. It's also a fascinating exercise in creativity. The idea was sparked when one of the authors mentioned a dream book on Twitter, the World War II retelling of Little Women that she wanted to write but wasn't sure she'd be able to. My favorite parts were Meg's and Beth's storylines. I love the reclaiming of Meg as a dynamic character with her own hopes and dreams that are still portrayed as valuable and aspirational, even though her longing for a family is different from Joe's or Amy's artistic ambitions. I was in awe of how Beth's poetry narrative captured such nuanced insights about the characters and their strengths and their very human flaws. I've loved the story of Little Women for almost as long as I can remember. I've read every Louisa May Alcott book I could get my hands on. I've seen both the classic 1994 film and the Greta Gerwig 2019 update, which, in my opinion, was even more faithful to the original book. And I understand why we return to the story of sisters over and over. It's universal and relatable, yet iconic, with each sister's character and her dynamic with the other three standing out as something unique. Together, the four characters offer something greater than the sum of their parts. Thanks for listening. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com to find a list of all the books mentioned in this episode. If you'd like more book recommendations or even a personalized reading list of your own, please check out my Substack newsletter, People Who Like Things. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordani Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, we'll get ready for the biggest season of the reading year, summer reading. I can't